Morning. I guess you can tell where we're going, huh? We're starting a series today called uh, Rings. And um, kind of the idea is this. You can have a marriage that is like a boxing match to where you're putting the gloves on and you're trying to uh, put the other person down for the count all the time. You can have a marriage just like a wrestling match. Now, I know it's Valentine's Day. Depending on the type of wrestling we're talking about, that might be a cool thing, okay? But uh, sometimes people are just wrestling, trying to win out over their spouse and trying to pin them down for the count of three just so they can win an argument or a debate or whatever it might be. You can have a... Uh, Marriage that's like a, a cage match. You know, this UFC fighting cage uh, match stuff they've had going on for the last several years that's gotten so popular. You can have a, a marriage that's like that. In that type of marriage, you feel a little bit hemmed in. And you feel like the other person that you're hemmed in with is trying to do you some harm. Or, you can have the marriage that God wants you to have. And that's what we're going to talk about, trying to make that right type of choice. Today we're going to talk about what marriage is really all about. I'll get there in a few minutes. I've got some preliminary stuff we need to deal with. I kind of need to apologize to the uh, uh, guys. By the way, guys, remember it is Valentine's Day. You've not forgot that, have you? Because of the snow, we had to change our schedule. Today's message was supposed to be in last week. And the message that I was originally scheduled to do today was going to deal with the sexual relationship in marriage. So, men, I'm sorry. Uh, you know. I will, though, give you the highlights of that before we get into today's topic about what marriage is all about. I was going to deal with two myths Today is what I would have dealt with. One myth is this. Sex is not all that important. That is a myth. Because it is that important in the marital relationship. Uh, that's why God talks about it a lot in the Bible. Uh, a lot of little subpoints would have gone with that. Second main myth is this. Because people almost get this attitude that God hates sex. No, He doesn't. He's the one that came up with it. There's a parameter, which is marriage, for it to be practiced in. But God's the one that created it, designed the man and the woman the way He did. And He came up with the concept. And it's not just all about procreation. It is for that. But it is about more than that in the relationship of a husband and wife. By the way, some communication can help out your sex life as husband and wife. Now, if you don't believe that, you don't believe you ought to ever talk about it or anything else, you need to read the Song of Solomon. Matter of fact, if some of you guys are kind of wimping out saying, I would not know what to say, if you just open the Bible to the Song of Solomon, read some verses to your wife, as long as you choose the right ones, you could do wonderful by just doing that. Look at a couple of examples before we get into today's uh, message. Uh, let him kiss me with kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. 
No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Look at the next passage. You've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice. Guys, I promise you that's romantic. You could read that. And, you know, if she doesn't know her Bible well, she'll think, man, he just said the most wonderful thing to me. <laughs> Something else that can also improve this area of your life is servanthood. <laughs> because sometimes you have to do dishes and other things like that to kind of get to the place that other things can happen. Amen, ladies? Amen, ladies? Giving you a chance to chime in. Anyway, today we are going to talk about what uh, uh, marriage is all about. Uh, next week we're going to talk about what a real man looks like. Uh, the last Sunday of the month we're going to talk about what a real woman looks like. Uh, by the way, ladies, uh, one from your midst will get to help me with a message that day in the interest of fairness. So uh, you'll find out uh, who that is on that day. And they're going to come up and, uh, and uh, share along with me and help speak about some things dealing with that. Uh, what is marriage all about? You realize marriage has always had a lot of questions attached to it. It's always had a lot of issues attached to it. It was true in Jesus' day, just like it is today. One day the Pharisees came up to Jesus, and they were really trying to trip Him up with some questions. But kind of as a background of where we're going in the main part of the message, I want you to see what happened in Matthew 19 as these Pharisees come up to Jesus. Uh, it was a big topic then, big topic today. Look what it says in Matthew 19. Some Pharisees came to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Then notice what they said. For any and every reason. It looks like then as well as now, people were more interested in getting out than they were in getting in and staying in a marriage relationship. They're asking Jesus, can I put her away for any reason? Well, there's one that looks better over here, Jesus. There's the one I'm attracted to over here. Is it okay for us to put her away? Look how Jesus replied. Haven't you read? Now, you need to understand who he's talking to and why he said that. Because what Jesus is about to quote comes from Genesis. And the Pharisees would try and memorize the first five books of the Bible. And even more than that. So in essence, he's looking at these Pharisees that are asking this question, and he's saying, haven't you read your Bible? You're supposed to be memorizing this stuff. Haven't you read in your Bible that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? By the way, stop there for a minute. When Jesus said this, he gave an endorsement, an endorsement for the creation story. So if you want to start saying, oh, I don't believe the creation story, I don't believe what the Bible has to say about that, you're messing with the deity of Jesus also. Because here Jesus gives an endorsement to the creation. He made them male and female, and he said, for this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not 
separate. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to be going over into Genesis chapter 2. And if you want to find your place in the Bible, we'll be reading along there in a moment. But you can see from what Jesus quotes that God's plan was for two people, a man and a woman, to be brought together in marriage. And in order for a marriage to work, guys, just up front, you have to be intentional and you have to be willing to work on it. I understand that there can be issues. I understand that there are problems. I understand that there's not any marriage that's completely perfect. That's why you have to work on it. A lot of issues can crop up. One big issue that couples deal with, uh, probably all along, but especially in this day and time, is finances. And finances can be a very tough issue and cause a lot of arguments and even cause a lot of divorces. But at the same time, can I tell you something? I think sometimes some couples are just looking for an excuse. I think sometimes they're just trying to take finances or whatever else it might be and cop out. And to give you a little bit of background as to why I'm saying that, Becky and I have been married almost 34 years. Almost this summer, 34 years we've been married. I'm 54 years old. Now, our marriage hasn't been perfect. I'll probably say this again in a moment. But no marriage is completely perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. She's not perfect. None of us are perfect. But I think after 34 years and being 54 years old, I might can speak to marriage just a little bit. When we were married, I think we had a little bit over $200. I'm not telling you this is a pattern for you to go with, okay? I'm just telling you what happened. And I took $100 and I paid for the apartment for the first month. Now remember, it was 34 years ago. You can't do that today. For the first month, I paid for it. Hundred dollars. After we were married, we were going to take off to Gatlinburg in a downpour of rain. I mean, it was raining. You know, the proverbial cats and dogs hit, and you could barely see far enough to tell where you were going. So we take off and lived in Wilkes County instead of over this way. So back then, the way we would go to Gatlinburg, and that's where we were, where we were heading out for our honeymoon, would be taking 421 up through Boone and kind of going along the back roads. So we get up to Boone, and it is raining so hard, you can't see maybe 20 feet in front of you. We're trying to find a place to eat. Now, ladies, I'm sorry. I should have done better. I'm just telling you what happened, okay? We were trying to find seafood. We wanted some seafood that night. 34 years ago in Boone, they didn't have a whole lot of seafood. You know what we found open that had seafood? You guessed it. Long John Silvers. <laughs> That's where we had our honeymoon meal. <laughs> we get through eating at Long John Silvers. I don't know why they call it that. <laughs> Serve seafood. I better not go there. <laughs> and we decide to head on out for Gatlinburg. By that time, it's raining even harder. We cannot see to go anywhere. We thought we better just stop and stay the night in Boone. Problem was this. Every hotel and motel we pulled up to had this big red sign out front that said no vacancy because we had not planned on staying in Boone. So finally I start going in and asking if they know of any place. The desk clerk at the Holiday Inn in Boone calls around and he finds a place and he says, you need to go down the parkway, you know, a, a few miles this way and it'll be on the right. So we take off 
can't see maybe 10, 20 feet in front of us, but I can see clear enough through the rain when we get to the location that I look at the sign in the name of the motel, I kid you not, was Aho Motel. In the Aho Valley on the parkway. I am trying to keep from calling it that, man. <laughs> so, so on, on my honeymoon, we ate at Long John Silver's and we stayed at the Aho Hotel. And then the next day we head over to Gatlinburg and for about $100, we spent almost a week there 34 years ago. Did I say that? Had I told you that 34 years? Are you getting my point? We've been married 34 years. We did not start out with a lot of money. We've never had a lot of money. But I want to tell you something. God has helped us and we've made it. So I think that maybe I can speak to marriage just a little bit today. And while I am imperfect and she's imperfect and we can't present to you a perfect marriage, I can't point you to, I can't point you to something that is perfect and that is the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us a lot of stuff about this relationship called marriage as far as what marriage is really all about. Here's a main truth I want you to get in this ring series. If you want to have a successful marriage, success in marriage follows surrender to the Scripture. Success in a marriage relationship follows on the heels of you being willing to surrender to what the Word of God has to say. Now, if you're someone here today that's single and you might get married one day, there's something here for you in this. If you're already married, there is something here for you in this. If you have been married and divorced, there is something here for you in this. Because if you want it to work out, when you get married or now that you're married or if you've been divorced and going to be married again or have been married again, and you want to be sure this one works out, you need to decide up front you're going to surrender your life to what the Bible has to say. And if we will surrender our lives to the Bible, it'll help us a whole lot in this relationship called marriage. So let's go to where Jesus endorsed a moment ago. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Jesus endorsed it. He quoted from it. And I'm going to start reading in verse... uh, Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. Uh, Man, that's true, isn't it? (laughs) You want to know why? We'd be tripping over our dirty clothes piled up in the floor. We'd be stumbling around in the dark, mumbling to ourselves, starving to death, everything else. He says, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. By the way, ladies, don't ever take that as a negative thing that it says a helper suitable. That same word in the Hebrew is used a little bit later in the Bible to speak of God being our helper. It's not a negative thing at all. The Bible goes on and says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Now, ladies, I told you a minute ago, you can base your marriage on the Bible. The Bible is true. Right there is proof of it. A man can fall asleep. Amen? 
Here's what God did. God put a recliner in front of the TV, put a remote in his hand, and turned on a ball game or the race one, and the man fell asleep. The Bible goes on <laughs> and said, And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called, Whoa, man. I know I read it different, I'm sorry. For she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, he will get a job, he will get out of their basement, and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So what is marriage all about? We're going to start out by talking about the identity of marriage. The identity of marriage, you might could even call it the definition of marriage. And I could say a whole lot, but I'm going to deal with kindly two tough topics as we talk about marriage. I'm going to talk about homosexuality, and I'm going to talk about divorce. Everybody's tickled to death, aren't they? That did about what I thought it would do. Um, let me make a deal with you. I understand sometimes we have some people from a homosexual background that will come to our church, and I'll speak to that more in just a minute and I know we have people here that have been divorced but all I ask is that you listen and listen to what I have to say all of it before you close your heart off or your mind off because when I brought up these two topics some of you put the brakes on I, I don't know if I want to hear about those two things or not you need to understand something I love you Jesus loves you but you also need to understand this. I'm going to tell you the truth and what the Bible has to say because if I didn't tell you the truth, I really wouldn't be loving you. If I did not tell you the truth about what the Bible says. You okay? Ready to jump into those two topics? Homosexuality. Homosexuality. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, did you notice what the Bible said? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, before anyone starts to think, well, you're trying to deal with politics today, I want to remind you of something. This was a biblical moral issue long before it was a political issue, and this church will deal with biblical moral issues. I don't care what political party comes down on which side of it, that's not the issue. The issue is what God has to say. I could care less what the Republicans say or the Democrats say, but I do care what God has to say. So as we look at this topic, you need to understand it's a biblical type issue. The Bible says that God brought Adam and Eve together, a man and a woman. It even intimates to us that there's this thing called sex. They were united together. I know that talks about a union then being husband and wife, but it also talks about a physical union taking place. By the way, God had told them that He wanted them to do this. In Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verse 28, the Bible says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. How does that happen? It happens if a man and a woman are married. 
Not if a man and a man are married or a woman and a woman are married. God's purpose, God's plan, God's will was for a man and woman to marry so they could be fruitful, so they could multiply, and so that they could fill up and, and bring the whole earth under subjection. God didn't say to Adam, well, Adam, you know, here's Eve, but now if you don't kind of like her, over here is Frank or Fred or Tim or whatever the name might be. God didn't go there. The reason God did not go there, it's not part of His plan. It is not part of what His perfect plan is. God brought a man and a woman together. And you can read all through the Bible, and I challenge you to do this. You can read all through the Bible, and there is not one single instance of a positive comment being made in the Scripture about homosexuality. Every time it's always negative. Every time it is always a sin. Now, having said that, I want to address what I said a moment ago. I understand that sometimes we have people from that type of background that will come here to our church. And I am glad, and can I tell you, they need to understand in case someone's here, and you need to understand that I am glad that they come. Because they need to come and hear about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ saves people and sets them free. And if they can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're here and you're someone that's wrestled with that lifestyle, you need to be completely honest with yourself. And you know that the Bible says it's wrong, and you know you'd like to get out of it. And this church would be willing to do anything we can to help you get out of it. And I'm glad that they do come. But more than that, I want them to have an eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because I know if that happens, their lives can be changed. But the Bible always calls it a sin. The Bible never calls it an alternative lifestyle. He was not given an, an alternative. He brought Eve to Adam, and that was it. There was no alternative presented in him. It is always a choice. It is not a minority. It is a choice that people make. So me having said that I love you and I want you to continue to come here, if that happens to be something that you struggle with, and I hope you find Christ as your Savior because He can change your life. Me having said all that, you still need to understand this. Do not ask me to endorse your lifestyle because the Bible says that it's a sin. I cannot, and be biblically and scripturally correct, endorse that type of lifestyle because the Bible clearly says it's a sin but God loves you and he put Jesus on the cross for you and if you'll give your life to him he can change that part of your life if that's what you want to take place if you have a desire for that change to take place so homosexuality what about divorce divorce same scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. He brought Eve, a woman, to Adam. And more or less, God was saying this. He said, Adam, here's Eve, and son, this is it for you. You need to make it work out. He didn't bring Eve over to Adam and say, Adam, here's Eve, but now if you decide you don't like her, over here is Sally or Sue, or Kathy, or whoever else, he didn't give him a choice. He said, here is Eve. 
He brought Eve to her. Now, someone's going to start one argument and say, oh, yeah, but later on in the Bible, they had multiple wives and everything like that. Listen, this is the first mention of marriage in the Bible. First mention principle shows what God's original will is, what his plan is. His plan is one man and one wife for life. That's his plan. Sometimes it doesn't work out, though, because sin came into the world. And because sin impacts people's lives. Because sin and temptation takes place. And that leads many times to couples struggling and going through divorce. What does the Bible say about divorce? Well, it says a whole lot. And what I'm about to read is not everything that it says. Because the Bible and even Jesus did kind of have an exception clause for it. But he never commands it. He never tells you you have to get divorced. Even if your spouse has been unfaithful. He doesn't tell you you have to get divorced. He just leaves an open door in the New Testament. But if you want to get an idea of what God really thinks about divorce, I think we can get a hint. I think God drops a hint here in the book of Malachi about what his opinion of divorce is. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 says this, Has not God made them one? We just read about that in Genesis, two becoming one. In flesh and in spirit, they are His. And why one? Because He was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. And then God says this, little subtle hint, He kind of drops in. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. Now, some of you right now are feeling some condemnation and some guilt because you've been through a divorce. I want to point something out to you. God said He hates divorce. He does not say, I hate people that have been divorced. You hear that? He says, I hate divorce. I hate the sin of divorce. He's not saying that He hates someone that has been divorced. Why does God hate divorce? Well, here's why. Because when a couple are married, you've got the man and you have the woman. And as they are married, and as they pour their lives together, and they are joined together before God... They become one. I cannot separate that back out if I wanted to. It has become something totally different. Completely different color. Completely different flavor. It is completely impossible for me to separate that if I wanted to. And if I were to try and separate that, it would be pretty messy. You know why God hates divorce? Because divorce hurts. Even if on the other side of divorce you found relief in your life, it still hurts. You still have pain. It's messy, just like it would be messy for me to try and separate that out. When I counsel with couples before I marry them, I use laminated wood. I thought it was a good illustration in this area because, you know, furniture used to be furniture. I don't know what we are now. But... Uh, 
They laminate wood sometimes, and they'll take a layer of wood and glue and a layer of wood and glue and a layer of wood and glue, put it under pressure to hold it together. You don't laminate wood and the next day think, all right, I'm just going to pull it apart. You laminate the wood with the idea that you're making it stronger, and the pressure in the glue makes it stronger. In Genesis, God more or less says this when he says they become one. The Hebrew word means they are glued together. And a husband and wife who are glued together need to let the pressures of life put them closer together instead of trying to pull them separate. God says that He hates divorce. You might be thinking to yourself, well, what if I'm already divorced? What does God have to say to me? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says this more or less, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation the old is gone, the new has come. You know what I think God wants to say to someone that has been divorced and now they're trying to make things work as they should work? God is saying this to you. Here's God's message to you. Next slide. You need to let God be the God of your future instead of allowing Satan to be the reminder of your past. You can't back up and fix the past, but you can't let God guide you now and into your future and quit feeling guilty all the time and allowing Satan to remind you of how you've messed up and how your past is, you need to let God be the God of your future. As you go from this point onward in your life. The identity of marriage or the definition of marriage. A man and a woman brought together by God, two people becoming one. But do you realize that there are also differences in marriage? You realize there are differences in marriage. You do understand. Jesus quoted a moment ago and he said, The Creator made them male and female. He made them male and female. He made them different. Even, that's even illustrated in how God made Adam and Eve. He made Adam differently. He scooped him up out of the dirt and breathed into him. Eve comes from Adam's side from his rib. They're even made differently. He gives us a picture in even how God created them that they're different. They're different in a lot of ways, guys. I came in earlier in the week after they had the mannequins set up. We didn't have them clothed yet. I thought, God help us. We've got to get those things dressed. Let the wrong person walk in early this week, and it would be. Let me tell you about day three church. They're different. Made different. Yes, physically, but even more than that. They're made different emotionally. And yet I've heard people say things before. I've heard guys say things like this before. Every now and then some guy, you know, has met this new girl and he, and he started dating her and things and he, he'll say something stupid kind of like this. I found a woman just like me. Now I understand what he's saying, you know, same likes, dislikes and things like that. But I kind of want to say back to them, no you didn't. You've not ever found a woman just like you. And if you did find a woman just like you, you better run the other way. Why? Men are gross. We got hair all over our backs and hair growing out of our ears. We blow snot. 
We trim our toenails and leave them laying in the floor to be swept up. We pass gas and laugh about it like it's funny. So if you ever find a woman like that, guy, you need to run the other way as hard as you can. And women sometimes will, will act like, well, I, you know, I found this sensitive guy that's just like me. No, you're not. You might think so. He might be leading you to believe that. But I've never heard a guy say, oh, I'm tired. I think I'm going to go draw some bubble bath and some candles and rest for a while. <laughs> Ladies, if you find a guy like that, run the other way. God made men and women different. I'm going to kind of point that out in some ways here. First of all, men are hunters and women are hunters. Men like to hunt things down. Deer, chipmunks, it don't matter, you know, just blow them away. They like to get out and hunt something, find something. You know, kindly, you know, settle the issue. That's why men won't ask for directions. We want to hunt something down and find it without anyone else helping us. We want to show how independent we are and how we can hunt something down. But women aren't like that. You, you, you kind of wish, well, I wish you'd get to the point. No, you probably don't. You probably don't want her just to get right straight to the point. She knows what the point is. But instead, women hint about stuff. She's wanting to find out if you're listening and how you're going to respond. If your wife comes to you and asks you, what have you got planned today? That's not what she's asking. The interpretation is this. I have plans for you today, but I want you to ask me what they are. <laughs> so whenever she asks you that, guys, your response ought to be, nothing, dear, I have nothing planned. What do you want to do today? If you're laying on the couch and, and your wife says something about the dishes being dirty, she doesn't expect you to kind of raise up from the couch and look over toward the kitchen and say, well, yeah, they are. She's given a hint that she wants you to get up and do something. That's just how men and women are made differently. God makes us differently. Men are solvers and women are censors. Men want to solve something. I mean, you can get a bunch of men together and they can be talking about some issue and, and men can sit there and man can sit there and say, I can tell you four things that will fix that right now. There's never been a woman on the face of this earth that'll sit there and say, I can tell you four things right now that'll fix that. She might know what'll fix it. But she's not wanting really to fix it right then. She's wanting to talk to you about it and see if you'll listen and see how sensitive you're going to be. You're a solver. You're wanting to get to the issue and get things solved. But she knows how to fix the problem. That's not the deal. She's wanting you to listen. She's wanting you to be sensitive. She's not wanting you to cut her off and say, you've been talking about this for the last hour. Let me tell you how to fix it. That's not what she's looking for. She wants you to shut up and listen and act like you care about it. Guys, two things you never need to say to your wife. When she just first started talking about some issue and you're not giving her a chance to talk, do not interrupt her and say, I know how to fix that. The second one, and here's the big one. Don't ever tell her you shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> uh, 
Listen, guys, our goal is not to tell them they shouldn't feel that way. Our goal is this. Our goal is to find out and understand why they feel that way. Amen, ladies? There's some woman sitting here right now that says he's preaching today. (laughs) Men are also this. Men are tight-lipped and women are talkers. Men are tight-lipped and women are talkers. Guys, this is not the place to say amen too loud, okay? Just letting you know, it's Valentine's Day. Statistics show on average, the average man, and Becky's already pointed out to me when I told her this, it is not me, okay? Uh, and, and it can't be me because of what I do. If you're a school teacher, it can't be you because of what you do. The, the average man says 7,000 words a day. Uh, you know, the document, you ever typed a document up, you look at the bottom up, it tells you how many words, this sermon, 4,000 words. So I'm going to go over the limit today, okay? But the average man, 7,000 words a day. The average woman is 15,000 words a day with guests up toward 40,000. So here's the deal, ladies. When, when he comes home and he's not talking a lot, guess what? He's already burned up his 7,000. And, and guys, when you come home and she's got all this to say, she's been saving all this just for you. Every word of it just for you. I heard about a man being asked one time, does it bother you when your wife gets the last word? And he kind of laughed and said, no. He said, I'm just happy when she gets to the last word. Men and women are different. So we've looked at kind of the description or the identity of marriage this morning. And we've looked at this fact that there's differences in marriage. Men and women are made different. And if you don't figure that out, you're going to let the differences polarize you and have issues in your marriage if you don't figure out up front you're different. You might have been made one as you know before God when you were married, but you're still different. So let's talk about the timing of marriage just for a minute. The timing of marriage. When is the right time to get married? How can I know when I'm supposed to get married? I've had people ask questions like that before. Let's look back in Genesis just for a minute and uh, look at verse number 18 again, down through verse 22. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Can I ask you a question real quick? Why did God let Adam... Name all the animals. 
Why did God have Adam to name all the animals even before Eve was created? Why didn't he go ahead and make Eve and let her help? You want to know why? They would still be naming those animals today. Because a man can go out and look and say, that's a dog, that's a monkey, that's a giraffe, that's an elephant. And if Eve had been standing there trying to help him, she'd have been, uh, uh, well, that just doesn't feel right. That name doesn't feel right. Honestly, though, why did that happen? Why did God do that? Why did God let Adam see all these animals and name them before he made Eve? See, I think God did it for a reason, maybe a couple of reasons. Because as Adam is naming these animals, he was having to say, okay, that's a male dog and that's a female dog. That is a male horse and that's a female horse. That's a male goat. That's a female goat. Where's my female? I think God was allowing Adam to experience a felt need. And see, all these other animals, in male and female, and then there he is all by himself. So God was preparing his heart for what he was about to give him when he would bring Eve to him. But I think also this is taking place. I think God taught a very important lesson about relationships that we need to learn today and will help answer the question for us when it is that we should get married. Who was Adam's first relationship, God or Eve? God. Who was Eve's first relationship? God or Adam? God. You want to know why? Adam was asleep. I think there's an important lesson there that we miss, and I, I had never seen that before, to be honest with you. Here's the lesson. The most important relationship that we have in life is with God. God created Adam to where he could experience a relationship with God before he had to worry about experiencing a relationship with the opposite sex. God created Eve and put Adam asleep so there in a few moments' time, or however long it might have been, we don't know how long it was, but in that length of time, the first relationship that Eve would experience would be a relationship with God before she had a relationship with Adam or even knew who he was. And you might be wondering, how does that answer the question, when should I get married? I think here's how it answers the question. You should not get married until you have fallen in love with Jesus Christ first. If you want to be prepared for marriage, and marriage to be all that it should be, and have all the benefit and the help that you need to have in a marriage, before you fall in love with somebody else, you need to fall in love with Jesus, and then you need to fall in love with somebody else that's fallen in love with Jesus. If you want to have the groundwork for the marriage to be all that it should, your first relationship doesn't need to be with someone of the opposite sex. Your first relationship ought to be with Jesus Christ before you think about entering into a marital relationship.
You need to be in love with Jesus and know how to respond to Him. And He responded to you. You need to fall passionately in love with Him. Now, someone's going to kind of be smart out and say, Oh, yeah, but I've read the stats, and the divorce rate for Christians is just as bad, if not worse. Last year, it was worse for Christians than non-Christians. The divorce rate is as higher, higher for Christians than it is for non-believers. So what do you have to say about that? Here's what I have to say about that. I'm afraid the majority of professing Christians have no clue what it is to really be a Christian. And I think the stats are messed up. I think if they were to go through and redo the stats, instead of just saying, are you a Christian, and have you been divorced, or are you having trouble in your marriage, if they were to go through and say, are you a practicing, passionate Christian in love with Jesus Christ, I think the stats would be differently. Christianity, real Christianity, guys, involves more than this. It involves more than Sunday mornings. You're heading out the door a couple of times a month to grab a Bible and stick it under your arm and go to church a couple of times a month. Christianity involves a lot more than that. It involves a relationship of love between you and God through Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is. It's about a relationship. And most people don't get that. And that's why most people's lives and marriages are in the trouble that they're in today. Remember our main truth that I mentioned a moment ago? Success in marriage follows surrender to Scripture. If you want to have a successful marriage, you need to fall in love with God through Jesus Christ first. Be in a passionate relationship with Jesus. Then think about falling in love with someone of the opposite sex. A little bit more about that before we move on. For the women, because this tends to be where this happens most of the time. You need to fall in love with Jesus first, and then you need to be sure you fall in love with someone that loves Jesus. Because a lot of times, women and young girls and things like that will say, but... He's really nice looking. And after all, I've prayed about it. He doesn't know Jesus. And he doesn't go to church. But I really like the way he looks. And I've prayed about it. And I think it's okay. You know what you're really saying? You're telling me that you, behind the scenes, got together with God and God decided He would help you work through disobeying Him. Is that not what I just said that you really claim took place? For you to say that, well, I know what the Bible says. The Bible has a lot to say about only dating and being involved in relationships with believers. Light and darkness have no fellowship together. So before you go down the wrong pathway, before you even agree to go with a dude on a date, you need to check out and see if he knows Christ as his Savior. I don't mean just some lip knowledge of it. Are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, baby, I'm a Christian. Get some evidence of it. See if he'll go to church with you. Let that be your first date. My brother's in his third marriage. 
And I told him after his first one. He needed to meet a lady in church. Not somewhere else. You need to be sure. Ladies that you fall in love. With Jesus first. And that you fall in love with somebody that loves Jesus. Now guys for you. I'm going to run a little bit different track on that for you. I mean, you need to do the same thing I mentioned. You need to fall in love with Jesus first, and you need to date some lady or fall in love with some lady that loves Jesus before she ever loved you. But I will make it a little bit more practical for you because a lot of guys are wondering all the time, when is it that I can get married? Well, here's the practical part of it. You can get married when you go out and find a wife. Oh, you mean it's up to me to find one? Yeah, you need to be the man and go up and find the wife. Adam's the first man in history to bust a move on a woman. And Adam did it himself. Adam didn't go over to his friend the orangutan or the, the ape and say, Hey, dude, see her over there? Will you go find out if she's dating somebody? Then they come back again. Hey, hey go, go back and, and, and ask her if, if she might like me, if she'd like to go somewhere with me. Man, that's wimpy. That's middle school junk. I want to train our middle schools in this church to do better than that. You need to step up and be the man. If you want to find out if she'll go out with you, go ask her. Don't send somebody else to ask her. If you want to find a wife, you go find a wife. Well, what if she says no? Then move on to the next one until you find the one that God has for you. If she tells you no. And ladies, don't be playing with their hearts when they're honestly trying to come and find out if you're interested. And ladies, I do think it's okay for you to pass some hints to them and let them know that you are interested, okay? But you need to be willing to find the wife. What's the timing? Of marriage? The timing of marriage is you fall in love with Jesus first. Then you think about falling in love with somebody else. And then, dude, you need to be the one that goes to find the wife. Proverbs tells us this He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. What is marriage all about? We've looked at the identity of marriage, we've looked at the differences in marriage. We've looked at the timing of marriage. I want to close by just talking a minute about the celebration of marriage. You ought to celebrate your marriage. You shouldn't ever, ever get over the fact that you have a wife or you have a husband that God's given you. When I'm 80 years old, I want to be able to walk hand in hand with my bride when I'm 80. And still be passionately in love with her. And guys, that runs deeper than just having to go take some Viagra. 
Mike Peak since this has happened with Catherine, and you know, we're praying that God will continue and help Catherine and heal her. But you know, sometimes people can say well meaning things and it kind of be insensitive. And someone had said to Mike, said, Well, you know, maybe with the treatments and everything, it gives you, you know, five or seven years together and, and everything like that was okay. And Mike said, That's not okay. He said, I've always seen us sitting in rocking chairs in old age. You need to celebrate your marriage. And it won't happen by accident. You're going to have to be intentional to keep celebrating your marriage. Guys, you need to grab hold of this and take the initiative sometimes. And you need to be the one that goes and plans for the babysitter, makes the plan, have a place to go, a place to be, a place to go together and celebrate the fact that you're husband and wife. Get the babysitter, you make the plans, you make the reservations, and you go. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time that you left a note for him, ladies? Wrote a little note especially for him, and you stuck it somewhere where he'd find it, where it would just make his day when he would come across it. When's the last time that you did that? We need to celebrate our marriages. It sounded to me like Adam was pretty pumped up. It sounded to me like Adam got pretty excited because here's what he said when he saw Eve. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman for she was taken out of man. Man, all of a sudden he just flooded Adam and he thought I'd counted all the animals, named them and everything else, male, female, male, female, male, female. Now look what God's done for me. He was pumped up about it. He was excited about it. He said this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So our ring's homework assignment is this. Giving you homework at church. Ring's homework assignment sometime this week. Let me stop. Tonight does not count. Because it just happened that this message fell on Valentine's because the weather would have been last week. So tonight doesn't count. Tonight's expected. Tonight's already on the calendar, guys. Ladies, don't let them get away with it being tonight. Sometime this week, you make some kind of intentional plans to celebrate your marriage. Go out and eat, go do something together, whatever. But sometime this week, I want to challenge you to plan something this week, to do something, go to a movie, do something, do the dishes, cook for her, do something this week to communicate to her. How special she is to you. And ladies, you do something this week. It doesn't count tonight. To show him how special he is to you. Rings. Have you adopted the wrong view of marriage? That might be where you are today. You just have the wrong definition of marriage. You thought some of the stuff that I said the Bible says wrong is okay. God says it's a man and a woman brought together and married. 
So maybe you need to change your philosophy or your idea or your theology, whatever you want to call it today, if you've had the wrong identity of marriage. If you've been through a divorce and you're feeling the guilt, I want to remind you today, God says, I hate divorce. He doesn't say, I hate the divorcee. I hate the person that's been divorced or been through a divorce. Thank God there's forgiveness and grace and mercy at the foot of the cross. Amen? Maybe you've been having some struggles in your relationship because you have bought into this erroneous view that the world tries to portray that you both in marriage are just alike. The male and the female are just alike. No, you're not. God made you differently. You have different ideas, different focus, different emotions, but you need to still learn how to celebrate it in the relationship of marriage. Instead of allowing your distinctiveness to cause issues. If you're here and you've never been married, and you're thinking about it, or you think one day you want to be, I want to challenge you that you know that you know Jesus Christ first, and that you're in love with Him before you try to marry someone. And if you're already married and things haven't been going as well and as smoothly as you think that they should be, just maybe you and your spouse need to get off to the side and say, we need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. The flame gone a little bit. The spark not there as much as it used to be. Maybe you've stopped celebrating your marriage. And you need to make some intentional plans often to celebrate the relationship of marriage that God's given you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, in the midst of some of our joking and having fun today and just talking about men and women, and the relationship of marriage. God, we realize it's a very serious relationship. It's something that you created. God, you established the family. You established the husband and wife relationship even before the church. So, Father, I pray right now for couples that are here who are already married, and I pray that you help them to be submissive to what your word has to say, so they can have successful marriages. Father, I pray you help them to be passionately in love with Jesus, so the passion that they have for Him will overflow in their life to each other. Father, I pray for any single person or young person here, as they consider the future and getting married, help them to fall in love with you first. And then help them to decide to have a marriage based upon what your word has to say. Lord, if there's any here struggling with guilt, any here that's trying to find release from any kind of lifestyle that they found themselves caught up in, help them to understand right now that you love them and that Jesus died on the cross for them. And Father, we pray that right now you would flood their heart with your love and help them have the desire to say yes to Christ and to come to you and experience life change. Father, I pray this week you help us 
to take steps to celebrate marriage. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. How do you want your marriage to be? Your marriage can be like a ring, like a boxing ring or a wrestling match or a cage match. Some of you may have come here today feeling like you had the gloves on. Some of you may have resigned that you might as well take them off and give up. There may be someone here this morning that's already thinking actively about divorce because of issues you have in your life. I want to ask you to please do this. Give it six months and you put Jesus first in your life and in your relationship and see what happens. But right now the invitation is this, as the band plays. Yes, it's open if you need to receive Christ as Savior. That's always true here. But you know the direction of the message today and what we've dealt with and what the topic is. And me and I have already told you, you need to man up and you need to be the one to take steps. So as the band starts to play, if you're here and your spouse is here, or maybe a potential spouse is here with you, how about man, would you be the man and go take your spouse or that potential spouse, that date, by the hand and say, let's go pray together. As God speaks to your heart, please stand.